You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you feel like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Love at First Sight still exists. It's available at your local shelter. This June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Hell, I suck at dating. With Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast. Sucky Daters, welcome to an all-new, very special episode of Help, I Suck at Dating. I'm trying to talk tenderly right now. Why? Uh, and I'm doing that I'm doing that intentionally because I'm, I'm keeping an eye on my audio levels. I just got this new microphone, and I'm trying not to be a little too, not try, try not to be too hot into the microphone. It's, so. it's very fancy. Did iHeart send that, that to you, or did you buy it yourself? Oh, I did not buy it myself. iHeart sent it to me. Yeah. yeah it, only t- it only took three and a half years, baby, and we're finally stepping our game up. Finally. So if you don't like this sweet, sultry version of my voice, too bad, because it's here to stay. This is like, uh, what is it called when you like tap into a microphone or whisper sweet nothings? What is that called? Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody? Anybody in this universe? ASMR. ASMR. Thank you so much, Dean. You can start doing some ASMR. I'd pay for it. You have a sweet, sweet voice. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Uh, This is also a special episode because I'm incredibly hungover and I feel like dog You're a little groggy. You're really going to have to do the heavy lifting on this one, so I hope you're okay. Why are you so hungover? What happened last night? I just had like nine beers. Kaylin brought some friends over and we just like drank and didn't do anything, but... uh, I'm getting old, man. The hangovers are way more real when you get old. Dude, you can't handle it anymore. Another night. I could never handle a hangover. That's why I don't like drinking. People are like, why don't you know, like, hey, why don't you like drinking? It's like, it's not that I don't like drinking. I hate, hate being hung over. Dude, I was hung over uh, a couple years ago at like a mini bachelor party I had here in Rhode Island. And it was, the, I'm not, all right, I'm going to tell a story right now. It's going to be a little TMI. So if you don't want to hear it, fast forward two minutes. I was so hungover the next morning, I couldn't throw up. And I was trying to make myself because I felt so nauseous. I My head was killing me. We had to go play golf. It was the worst time. And so it wasn't coming out through my mouth. It came out on the other side. And I was on like the fourth hole and there was nowhere, no bathroom in sight. So what I did was I grabbed my towel. I went in the woods and no I, did what, I did what I had to do. And then I buried it in the woods and then came back out and finished my golf game. You finished the round of golf? Of course. It was it was like 120 bucks. It was a really nice course. You know, honestly, I felt a lot better after that moment, too. So I kind of felt, got a second wind. I've got to say, Jared, I've known you for a while and you've shared a lot of stories on this podcast. 
That might be the most interesting story I've ever heard you tell. Yeah, well, I told people it's a little disgusting, that, so hopefully they fast forward to this point that, and we can move forward. That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard anyone say. And you know, it's I was golfing with my dad too, and uh, it was his towel. <laughs> <laughs> so the towel was used for cleaning purposes. Yeah. What do you? I mean, I'm not going to use leaves. I had no tissues. I had nothing. So what I did was I went in the woods with the towel, and then I before I went, like everything was happening so fast, I dug like a quick hole, went into it, and then put the towel with your hands. What do you mean? No, 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 no. With my cleats, like my feet. I just like with your cleats. Only, it was only like a foot <laughs> hole. You know what I mean? It's not. Don't think of this yeah. as extravagant. But I went in the middle of the woods. So hopefully no animal was near me and definitely no human being is going to be there anytime soon. Did what I had to do and then put the towel in there, brushed like a good pile of dirt and leaves on top of it. Make sure that it was, you know, really in there and then uh, walked away. <laughs> that is amazing. It really is, because I don't think the towel is biodegradable, so that's going to resurface at some point. I mean, I couldn't take it back with me. It was <laughs> did, like, I, what, are we going to have it in the cart for the next two and a half hours? Like, it's done. It's gone. Bye-bye. Yeah, on the bright side, once it resurfaces, it will have hopefully weathered enough to not be covered in poop anymore. You know? I, I should go back to that golf course two years later. I, I think you should send Suck Army out there, and whoever finds it gets a, no. a Suck Army t-shirt. Suck Army, please. <laughs> Don't put yourself through that. That is incredible. I can't believe you went back out there and finished the round of golf. Well, I, I, mean, never, I was only on the fourth hole, and I honestly started feeling better. So I was like, all right, here we go. I think I hit a nice little so wedge could, on after that. You didn't, you didn't like, you didn't in your head be like, oh, I'll just turn this card around, go back to the pro shop real quick, poop there, and then go back out. Dude, it was so, as you guys know, when you're hungover, dude, it was so sudden. Snuck up on you quick. And it was, I mean, it, let me just say this, it was explosive. And it was like, <laughs> it is now or never. That's how hungover I was. I couldn't throw Ooh. up. And then I was like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I got to like the third or fourth hole. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, it's, it's here and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Oh my gosh. What did your dad have to say about it? My dad was so, he's like, take my towel, go, go do what you need to do. I was like, thanks dad. I'll be back. Run in the woods. And then uh, came back. Yeah. He's like feeling better. I was like, actually, I'm feeling like a million bucks right now. <laughs> let's That's go, let's go putt for birdie. I have so much, I have so much more respect for you. So much newfound respect after hearing that story. I appreciate that. You know, respect isn't the word that comes to mind when I think of that story, but I'm glad it, it it's thrown out there for me. But on many levels, just just you doing it, you sharing it, I just appreciate that. Let's move on because uh, I doubt Suck Army really wants to hear about my bowel movements any longer. Now, listen, this is a weird segue, but I'm going to do it anyway. We have a meet and greet coming up, people. So if you want to meet me... Maybe we can talk about the story. Maybe we won't. Doesn't matter. We have a meet and greet Suck Army. It's going to be called the Suck Army Summer. It's going to be Friday, July 30th, 4 to 5 p.m. PST. So it's uh, 7 to 8 Eastern Standard Time, 4 to 5 over on the West Coast. Friday, July 30th. Tickets are on sale right now at loopedlive.com. You guys can talk to me, you can talk to Dean, which obviously we all know you'd rather do. It's going to be a little meet and greet. We can give you advice. We can talk bachelor stories. We can do whatever you want. Get your tickets right now for Friday, July 30th. What are we What are we going to do for this little meet and greet? I don't know. Dude, Mark tells us what to do, and then we do it. <laughs> That's how it goes around here. This is exciting. I like these things a lot. This is my one thing with these things. It They are terrifying. Not terrifying Why? to talk to people for an hour terrifying that 
in my eyes, zero people are going to be there. Oh, a thousand percent. I don't know. It's just it, that's just scary to me. It's like you know when you like have a party or something when you were a kid and you invite people over and you're like in the back of your head you're like, well, what if no one ever shows up? That's kind of what this is like. Oh, a hundred percent. I always get that fear in the back of my head anytime we do any type of meet and greet or somewhere we go someplace where we said, oh, you know, I'll post about it and hopefully some people come and then nobody comes and I'm like, wow, I'm a big fat loser. I'm a failure. Right. So suck army. Don't make Dean and me feel like a failure. Get your tickets right now, loopedlive.com, Friday, July 30th. And like I said, it'll be a nice little fun time. All this to say, I'm excited for it. And it, it's going to be a fantastic day. And I want you guys to come. I just want you guys to know I'm a little fearful, you know? Yeah, we're all fearful. Hey, that's the name of the game. If you're not living in fear, you're not living at all. You know, you got to do some things that make you scared. So if you're listening to this and you want to join the meet and greet again, when is it, Jared? July 30th, Friday, 4 to 5 on the West Coast, 7 a Eastern Standard Time. At loopedlive.com was where you can get your tickets. So L-O-O-P-E-D-L-I-V-E.com. Again, get your tickets right now, loopedlive.com. Um, I did want to talk about something that we saw on Bloomberg, uh, which is a, obviously a news source. Dating app, uh, the dating app Bumble is going to open its first cafe in New York coming in July. Now, July 24th to be exact, uh, Bumble, which is, of course, the woman make the first move app, is going to open its Bumble Brew in New York. Now, originally, Bumble Brew was focused on a date-friendly uh, food. It was meant for sharing. Uh, so that is like no burgers or any dish that have like potential for any type of like embarrassment while eating. We've all been there, right? No spaghetti. Like if you're eating the pasta and you spill some tomato sauce on your white shirt, not good for a first date. So they're not going to have food like that, but it's a cafe that has been reconceived as a safe space for healthy and equitable relationships and connections. Now I'm interested about this because I think this is great because we've talked about a million times with dating apps Dating apps sometimes, majority of the times, never lead to in real life dates. So many people talk on dating apps. They talk to multiple people. They never end up meeting up. I like this because it seems like this is a direct path to talking on Bumble and then meeting up in real life at this Bumble brew. So I'm for it. I think Bumble's got something very smart here. So let me ask you this. You think that's the strategy then is to meet on Bumble, talk, and then say, hey, let's go to the Bumble Brew and meet up for drinks. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious about this because I'm wondering if Bumble is going to have like this on the app. You know what I mean? So it's like you can almost schedule a date while talking on a conversation. Because I feel like so many times when you're talking back and forth, like think about when you make plans with somebody. It's like, oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Where do you, well, wherever you want to go. No, wherever you want to go. Well, what day works for you? Well, what day works for you? And it's just like this constant back and forth that like as human beings, you can only serve so much attention to. And it's like, okay, I give up. I don't really care that much. We're not hanging out. I feel like that happens a lot on dating apps. So I'm curious if Bumble is going to integrate some sort of technology into this where like, hey, while we're talking, we can make a date at the Bumble Brew like tomorrow at seven. Like, and it's like almost like an open table format, you know, where it's all digital and you make a reservation. I feel like that puts more pressure on people to meet up in real life. I just think it's, this is, I, I mean, I, I think it, it's got, it's only going to be successful if they make it like a trendy enough bar that people are going to just want to go to, like with your friends or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you and your buddies are out in town. You're like, oh, let's go stop by Bumble Brew real quick. If that, if it's not that, then I don't see anyone going out of their way 
to go to Bumble Brew if they're already going out of their way to meet up in person. They would just go somewhere else that they already like. So I'm sure it's going to be a nice little spot, um, but I'm curious to see how they kind of work it all in together. I wonder if, like, they meet on the app and then they could, like, send out, like, you know, 30% off discounts to the people that are, like, talking on the app or something like that. Well, that would be smart. We're just giving Bumble great ideas here. That's what we're here for. Bumble, you should totally hire us. Uh, I have a question for you, Dean. So I want you to transport yourself back in time. Back yeah. into single life, Dean. Back to Deanie Babies. Back to Bachelor in Paradise season four, Dean. So, Deanie Babies. Deanie Babies. If would you, if you were going on a first date with someone, someone that you had yeah. not met and you met on a dating app and you were meeting for the first time in real life, would you rather go to an establishment that you knew everybody else there was also on a first date meeting for the first time, or would you rather go to a place? That's more of a social environment and obviously different dynamics with relationships, uh, you know, different people. It could be families, could be people who are married, meeting for the first time, like doesn't matter, just a regular restaurant. Does it matter to you? I so that's a really good question, Jared. I think that I wouldn't want to go to a place where everyone else is on. Well, actually, so here's here's a pros and cons. (laughs) Yeah, here's a con. A con is. It could be awkward. It's just going to be a room full of awkward people on awkward dates. Mm-hmm. A pro is, let's say the date's not going well, you can just look around the room and be like, everyone else here is also on a first date, so none of those relationships are serious. So let's see if I can like weasel my way in to that girl over there that I've got a big crush on. You know what I mean? Could be like speed dating. And that's exactly where my mind went to initially when you said a room full of first dates, because that's what it is essentially, is speed dating. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think it would be interesting. My first initial response was like, no way. No way I'd ever want to go to a place like that. But isn't it kind of awkward sometimes when you're on a first date and you're like sitting next to a couple that's like married or it's just like, I don't know. I always kind of felt a little awkward sometimes when I was on a first date with someone in a place and like I was near people who were in a more secure relationship. I don't know. Because like there'd be times when the conversation went stale and we wouldn't be talking and it was just... Maybe it was just always in my head, but I'm curious if I'd feel more comfortable if I was in an environment where I knew everybody was going through the same thing I was going through, which at times, let's be honest, it's awkward. First dates can be awkward. If the conversation goes stale, there's only so many questions you can ask. There's only so much effort you can put into it. So I'm curious if if I was in that environment where I knew everybody around me was going through the exact same feeling I was, if it would make me feel more comfortable or not. What's an appropriate number of drinks to have on a first date, Jared? Seven. <laughs> That's the number? No, I'd say two. Hmm. What's your number? <laughs> uh, I was going to say more like, I was going to say seven. No, seven's a little much. Maybe like four. Seven? Four what is or five. It? Kaylin would be carrying you out of that restaurant. You yeah. had nine <laughs> last night and you're dead. Yeah, I'm struggling. My thing with drinking is uh, I'm like a, a supreme lightweight. Uh, but not like to hold my liquor, but just like I get affected by it really quickly. So like three drinks in, I'm probably like blacked out, but then I can keep drinking until like 10 drinks and be totally fine and act completely the same. But then I wake up the next day and I was like, oh man, I don't remember anything after like 8 PM. So that's like, that's why four drinks is a good number for me. Cause after the third one, you know, if it's going well enough to get to the fourth drink, then, you know, you just go out and you tear up the town, cut up a rug. Yeah, I mean, it could be a fun time, but you could also, like, embarrass yourself really poorly. Uh, I don't know. Like, could you imagine getting drunk on a first date? I don't know. It's just like. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten drunk on many first dates. Has anybody gotten drunk on you where you've been sober? Um, 
Well, I've never, I never dated while I was sober, you know what I mean? So that doesn't count. But I definitely probably have been on a few dates where the girl got way too drunk and it was just like uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't mean sober where you're not drinking through your daily life. I meant on the date where you've been, you know, you're, you, you might have had yeah. one drink, but you're sober. I'm trying to recall a specific moment. I can't, I can't, but I'm sure it's happened at some point. Was there any moment with you where you like were on a date with a girl that... Yeah, there was a time where I was on a date with a girl and she got pretty sauced up and I was like, oh, this sucks. She was just like kind of loud and obnoxious and started saying inappropriate things. And it was funny, but like, you know, after you say something like seven times and you're like, okay, time for the check. (laughs) And especially it was, I forget what she was drinking. She was drinking like Cosmos or pomegranate martinis or something like that. And she had like four of them. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm paying for dinner. And these are easily like 13 bucks a pop and she's wasted. And I got to get the hell out of here. Well, you live and you learn. Exactly. And now now I'm happily married and love my wife and she can have as many pomegranate martinis on my dime as she wants. You know, Jared, we're going to move on to our guest. But before we move on, I just, I got to say one thing. Yeah. I can't believe that we're just living life normally after hearing the story about you having explosive diarrhea in a forest on a golf course. I'm so confused. Why is this such a thing? (laughs) I can't believe I can't believe we're still not talking about that. It's just it blows my mind that everything that the world is still pieced together after hearing that story. I can't believe this is more of a common uh, thing. Like, don't people like go to golf courses all the time where like... (laughs) You know, they're drunk or hungover, and it's just like people are throwing up. Maybe maybe not the nice golf courses, but well, you know what I mean. Here's the thing. If if I shared that story from your perspective, if I was like, yeah, I ran to the forest and took a poop real quick and came back out, everyone would be like, yeah, that's, yeah, that that's makes sense. normal. That's, that's exactly what we expect Dean Sounds like a Tuesday night for uh, Dean. And the fact that you did it, it just make I feel like a proud father, you know, like a proud parent. Like I, I don't know. It's just it's it's the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Guys, I'm a grizzly man. I'm a mountain man. I should be living in a van. It's headed towards that direction. Look at me. I have multiple rings on. I feel like Dean. I'm wearing yeah. bracelets now. What's the middle finger ring about? It's uh, so Ashley got it for me. It's a Superman. We- uh, it's not a wedding band. It's just a. It's a Superman band. Uh, it's oh, black with a silver Superman. Uh, symbol on there and it's really cool and she didn't want me to wear it instead of my wedding band um she's like no i want you to continue wearing your wedding band so it fits well on the middle finger and i kind of like the look of it and so uh yeah you have the s facing yourself i see well i mean oh so you think i should have it on like the on the side of my, the palm of my hand so when i hold up for like high-fiving people they see the superman symbol <laughs> No, no. Like high I five, mean, guys. That's, that's not what I meant at all. Oh. What I mean is the S, the S is facing like oh. you know upside down wise. I would think it would go the other way, so that way, right? So now people are like, "Whoa, Superman!" Yeah, but now I can't see it. Right, so that's what I'm saying. So you are wearing it for yourself. Are not I, yeah, are I not wearing this sense. ring for myself? Which no, it makes total sense. I mean, you want to look down and and get you know whatever you want to get out of it. So I mean, sick sick rings, sick bracelet, sick poop story. I'm excited for Elizabeth. Sick for a segment, she's, guys. She's sick for a segment. Uh, we're gonna jump into Elizabeth Greenwood. She is the author of Love Lockdown: Dating, Sex, and Marriage in America's Prisons. She is incredibly interesting and has a lot of interesting stories to share. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. <laughs> Oh, 
at Walmart, there's a whole collection of black lead products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black lead brand, we make room for another black lead brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing Black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies. The list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash blackandunlimited to discover all the amazing Black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes, and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois and my life has never been the same and I love her so much. And I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just and a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was, Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So I I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and and the great life that you're giving them. Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. Everyone knows how much Dean and I love to travel, especially after enduring a Colorado winter. I'll take any chance I can to be in a sunny, beachy place right about now. Well, Kaylin, I have the perfect place we can travel to next. In Puerto Rico, there are nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline. And when it comes to photography, the landscape is unbeatable. I think I need to go there for a relaxing vacation before baby number two comes, which is great. But also, I'm very nervous. Puerto Rico offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to beautiful black sand beaches. There's no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Dean, myself, we have a very special guest who is on the line right now. She's the author of Love Lockdown, Dating, Sex, and Marriage in America's Prisons. 
Uh, it is going to be available on Amazon July 13th, if I'm correct. It is Elizabeth Greenwood. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my God, of course. So your book, Love Lockdown, is available July 13th, correct? Correct. Perfect. Available for pre-order before, but it hits the world July 13th. Well, everybody listening, go pre-order the book right now. <laughs> so tell everybody, Love Lockdown, what is it about? What inspired you to write this book? So Love Lockdown is a nonfiction look at the relationships that form between people in prison and people on the outside. So we often hear about the kind of most extreme version of this relationship. You know, someone like Scott Peterson arrives on San Quentin and it has all this fan mail from admirers waiting for him. So that definitely is a thing that happens with these kind of higher profile uh, murderers often case is often the case uh, but there's a much more kind of um, mundane strain of this dating that happens too often um, through pen pal sites where someone just out in their life will log on find someone in prison to write with for a whole variety of reasons sometimes and you know cupid's arrow strikes so in my book i follow five couples all of whom met while incarcerated over the course of five years and trace some of the ups and downs of these relationships from prison weddings to people getting out and coming home and you know seeing if these relationships work in the uh, free world so my first question is, what inspired you to write this book? Because it is such an obscure uh, uh, you know, subject matter. You know, a lot of people don't think about pr prisoners falling in love or getting married. Uh, and so what was it about it that really interested you? I struck up a correspondence with a person in prison when I was reporting my first book, Playing Dead. And that's a book about people who fake their own deaths. So Another kind of odd topic, if you will. Um, so one of the people I interviewed in that book was a man named Sam Israel, and he faked his death in 2008 by staging his suicide off the Bear Mountain Bridge in upstate New York. Um, we corresponded mostly for the interviews for that book over CoreLinks, which is one of these many third-party email application systems that connect people in prison with those on the outside. So I asked him, you know, all about what that experience was like. What was it like to get the idea to fake your own death? What was it like to go through that, et cetera? You know, and our interviews wrapped up, but we still stayed in touch and we emailed frequently. And he told me at one point that often his story is featured on these cable news shows like American Greed. And every time it is, he'll get a new batch of fan mail from people, usually women who are intrigued and want to know more about him. So I was just so interested in that phenomenon. And, you know, having had this experience of this very particular type of friendship with someone in prison um, through Sam, you know, that's very unique to and very different from what we have on the outside which is like, you know, texting like three things in a row, then not hearing from someone for 20 minutes. It's like this very laser-like focused communication. So I kind of got the appeal in that sense. Um, so I just really wanted to know, you know, who are these people that write prisoners and what do they get out of the relationship? I think that's what kind of boggles a lot of our minds when you can't be face-to-face -face and in the same space with someone much of the time. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I thought that story was gonna take a different turn, and that you were gonna say something. I <laughs> that you and Sam struck up a romance. 
No, we did not. Always in the friend zone with Sam. Nice. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I think it would have been a, a funny segue into the book now. So It would be a different book, that's for sure. It, so picking your own death has to be illegal, right? That's why Sam's in prison? Great question. So there's no crime called faking your own death. So in that sense, it's not illegal. But almost any of the ancillary crimes you have to commit in order to fake your own death, like identity fraud, you know, um, making it appear as if um, you have gone missing and costing the state and city like thousands of dollars for your search and rescue. All of those things are illegal. But in this one very narrow uh, framework, it is not illegal. So Sam Sam was a hedge fund um, manager and was charged with wire fraud in the end. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. So for, for your book, uh, Love Lockdown, it took you five years to gather information, right? Is that correct? Yeah, it took five years for, because I wanted to see, you know, I didn't realize this setting out to write this book, but I learned pretty quickly in order for any, there to be anything to write about in these relationships, these relationships need to unfold and they unfold in real time. So I had to stick around to see what happened in a lot of cases and doing reporting within the um, prison system in the United States takes a long time. You know, I would write to people and they wouldn't get my letters for months and months, or I would set up interviews that would be uh, during visiting hours that would be canceled at the last minute because of a fight or something like that. How would you choose which people you were going to write about? Like, how did you know who was dating? How did you get this information? <laughs> yeah. It took Feels a like lot you can only turns. know this stuff from being on the inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like high school. Well, it's, yeah, totally. Totally. Kind of is. I mean, it's a good point you bring up. You know, once I found the main couple I wrote about in the book, Joe and Ben, um, and I followed their wedding from their, excuse me, their relationship from their wedding day until he's released from prison over the course of five plus years. Um, you know, doors just kind of opened up. They'd say, oh, well, you should talk to this person. You should talk to that person, et cetera. But I knew just from kind of anecdotally from, you know, lurking in groups and Instagram accounts online that have to do with this world, that this is a really actually quite diverse group of people. You know, this isn't necessarily who you think of as your stock character, prison wife, who's kind of like at home and desperate and bored. You know, these are, these are really diverse group of people. So I wanted to find couples that um, reflected those demographics. I wanted to find couples where some people had gotten out of prison already and how do those marriages last, you know, given the challenges uh, they face. And um, I wanted to really find people who were very reflective and thoughtful and were not these kind of deluded people we might imagine them to be. So, you know, finding everything to fit in that Venn diagram definitely took some time. So with Joe, for instance, it sounds like he got married in prison. Yes, her uh, husband, Ben, uh, was serving a term at that point. Mm -hmm. And they met through a pen pal site uh, while he had already served some years of his sentence. Interesting. Can you, I mean, I'm sure you probably cover it in your book. Can you kind of just describe what a prison wedding is like? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, they like everything in prison, it varies facility to facility. So the one I observed took place at the Oregon State Penitentiary, which is a maximum security prison. And twice a year, they cancel regular visiting hours at the prison and the whole day's cleared um, for weddings. So the day I was there, I saw about, gosh, maybe a dozen couples who are all getting married, you know, you've got your chance twice a year. Um, you have to bring in your own chaplain or officiant, um, which in Joe's experience was actually um, somewhat hard to find. You know, some people hear prison wedding and they don't re return your calls. Well, anything. especially yeah. if I'm so, being fully transparent, maximum security, you know, this isn't yeah, your, that's your, right. your medium security or intake mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like you're talking about some serious things that happen or, you know, happen to these serious crimes these people committed and so that's interesting that's right. i'm i'm sure there's a lot of people who would be very hesitant to enter that atmosphere absolutely and one of the reasons why i love it talking to joe so much is because one of the things she told me on her first visit to ben you know after they'd been emailing and talking on the phone for almost a year she said you know what in the world am i doing trying to get into a maximum security prison people are trying to get out of this <laughs> place what am i doing walking in um so yeah that's absolutely true but you know the wedding itself they they did a nice job you know they cleared out the tables and chairs in one part of the room and they kind of just strung up like a an archway that the prisoners made themselves and you know a little aisle to walk down and you know it was a very kind of intimate affair and the big deal about weddings at least in this one facility because it is maximum security regular visits um the couple is separated by a table you can't sit next to each other and you get you know like a hug at the beginning of the visit and a hug at the end after the wedding on this day the couples were allowed to sit next to each other to kind of like have their arm around each other which mm. you know that's that's as spicy as it gets in the maximum yeah. security prison so it was exciting for them so for for couples uh that aren't forced to date from prison into real life we have obviously our, all our own struggles like where to eat mm -hmm. what to buy for the house all that kind of stuff what are like the big struggles that a couple like ben and joe are faced with like what, what were yeah. like the big things that you were like that's kind of a big deal so with prison relationships really it everything comes down to communication because communication is really all you have you know whether that's via letter writing phone calls um, you know, these third party emails that some facilities have that are pretty like exorbitant um, rates for what you consider email, which is free in the free world. Um, so it's really figuring out communication because the whole relationship is compressed into that. So anytime there's a misunderstanding or something feels off, it takes on this huge significance. And because you're in prison, you can't just call the prison and say, hi, I'd like to talk to, you know, inmate number 834, whatever. They can mm -hmm. only, the person in prison can only call you usually for 15 minutes at a time. A lot of the couples I interviewed joke that they had to learn to figure out how to fight 15 minutes at a time. Right. Um, that's funny. So that's a big deal. And then I think the other part too is figuring out how you have intimacy with someone who's in prison. You know, conjugal visits exist in only four states in this country, and not every facility in those four states offers them. When when you say conjugal visits, you mean mm -hmm. visitations without supervision? 
Precisely. Yeah, it's conjugal visits is actually kind of a misnomer. They're really known as family visits um, in many of these states. And what that means is that people who are immediate family, so spouses, parents, children, can come together um, usually over the course of about a week, the length of a weekend to have a private visit um, in usually a kind of trailer or bungalow on prison property. And the prisoner still has to come out for count every few hours, but uh, the rest of the time it's private. So in those instances, yes, you do get to have sex with your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you know, mo that is not the reality for the vast majority of people who are um, in a relationship with a prisoner in this country. So how do you, you know, have intimacy otherwise? Do you have couples that are in prison at the same time? Like, are there couples or is this all just one prisoner and then one person who's not in the prison? No, there are. OK, this was one of my. Mo yeah, this is one of the most interesting chapters to research to me. So I profile a couple where they are both actually inmates in a prison, Sherry and Damone. Sherry is a trans woman who is serving her time in a men's prison in the Midwest. Um, wow. So they met while in prison. But the really interesting um, factor in their relationship that I was totally unaware of prior to, prior to researching this book was there's a piece of legislation called PREA, the Prison Rape Elimination Act, which on its face sounds great because prison rape, bad, we don't want that, right? But the law has really broad language. And what it says basically is that there is no such thing as a consensual sex act in prison, even among inmates themselves. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, so this is used um, often to penalize LGBTQ people in prison. So these two had a relationship, but it was always kind of under the um, shadow of Priya, you know, which can result in anything from disciplinary infractions to more time in solitary confinement. Um, so they did have a completely consensual, loving relationship, but it was always kind of under threat of, um, you know, kind of institutional scrutiny. Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty intense. I, it's just insane to think about. Um, I, I think, you know, we've had this picture in our mind from film or television series about like what prison is like. Uh, mm -hmm. and how like every inmate is just looking to stab the other one. So when you were talking about the mm -hmm. weddings having been done in prison and prisoners like creating these different, you know, uh, um, intricate details to make the wedding a little bit nicer. I don't know. It mm -hmm. feels like a, a little bit of a community, which is why I wanted to ask if you find that like it's not just a, a prisoner and somebody who's outside of prison who gets together, but people who meet, you know, uh, in prison and, and start dating. It's kind of like their own little world. It is. It absolutely is. And the point of community that you bring up is so interesting. So that's what I saw again and again, particularly with um, women who find themselves in these relationships. For many of them, they've had nothing to do with prison their entire lives. This whole world is completely foreign. And then, you know, they're telling their family at Thanksgiving, oh, guess what? I'm engaged to this guy in prison. And their families are, you know, oftentimes very upset about that fact. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is they end up making um, friendships, usually online through support groups with other people who have gone through this. And they build these like incredible friendships and communities in a way where to me, the men in the relationships almost become incidental and it becomes so much more about these really rad female friendships. It, it was like very cool to watch.
But this this has to be interesting because it doesn't. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. It doesn't sound like it was uh, you know a couple, for instance, and one of them goes to prison and they continue to date from there. It, in the case of at least Joe and Ben, it sounds like Joe sought out Ben while he was in prison, right? So she all kind the of, couples, yeah, all the couples in my book met while incarcerated, so they did not know each other prior to one person going to prison. Right. So I just I can only imagine. Right. Like, like you said, you're sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner. It's bad enough if your partner is in prison. But then I think it kind of adds a whole new dynamic to it when you tell them that you are the one that started sending him. Yeah, that you guys developed a relationship while they were incarcerated. I agree with you, Dean. That is entirely different scenario. That's crazy. And and, and like you said, they're they're unfamiliar with navigating the penal system and all that stuff. But they were the ones that went out of their way to strike up the relationship. So it's kind of, I don't know. I, I'm so interested in this book now. I have to, I definitely have to give it a read. Um, through all of your research and all your findings and all your conversations, the, the Priya thing sounds pretty fascinating. What was, what was another thing that you uh, uncovered or were surprised by through everything? So I think, you know, the thing that we wonder often is, you know, can these relationships last in the real world? You know, what happens when he or she gets out, comes home? Um, Is this a real relationship? And what I found, at least in my very small sample size of five couples that I followed Mm -hmm. and, you know, others that didn't make it into the book, of course, is that the rate of success I would say eyewitness is about parallel to that um you know out out here in the free world where it's about half you know yeah people break up and people stay together and and what i've seen the reasons why they break up really have very little to do with prison itself it has more to do with incompatibility sometimes with you know people struggling with addiction mental health issues you know and we see that out here too. So I think that that kind of um, that rate of success was really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah that is that's fascinating for sure. It's interesting to think that uh, you know a lot of these you don't think of prison relationships, but there is you know I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to say this I'm trying to like formulate my words while I'm spitting them out, which is what usually happens on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's just interesting to me to think that. Yeah, there are there's this whole different world of relationships and like the success rate is not that much different than what's happening in the real world. Dating is hard, whether you're in prison or in prison or out of prison. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to communication, like a lot of the same core values that you have in a relationship that you're not in prison are the same core values that you have for a relationship that is occurring while someone's incarcerated. I don't know. That's interesting to me. What's the motivation for these women to and I assume it's mostly women reaching out to men, right? What's the motivation for that? Most often. So the thing I heard again and again was that I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't looking for a relationship. I wasn't looking to fall in love, you know, cut to a year later and we're walking down the aisle. Um, Often people were writing to prisoners, usually uh, out of, you know, a kind of spiritual um, compulsion, you know, volunteering for a prison ministry. That's one couple I write about in my book. Um, She was an editor at the New York Times at the time. and was volunteering. Yeah. It was volunteering for her church's prison ministry and got a letter and, you know, resisted, resisted, resisted. And they ended up finally meeting up to be friends. And it was irresistible. I mean, if somebody writes you, if somebody writes you a letter while you're incarcerated and then they take the time to come visit you, 
Like you can't get someone to go on a date after you talk to them on Bumble. You know what I mean? These people are writing letters and then going to the prison to visit you. That's when you know, you know what? That's a message for me to all the people out there on dating apps who can't say that they can't take the time to meet someone in real life. Like these people are are going down to your local prison to meet the love of their lives. All right. You can go to Dunkin Donuts (laughs) to grab a coffee with the person that you want to go on a date with. That's that's that's, that's exactly mind. right. And what a lot of the people I interviewed said, because of that very factor you're talking about, you can't just stumble into this. You can't just like text someone you up and like, you know, you get together like it's so deliberate when you choose to yeah. be in a relationship like this. So the thing that the refrain from them was always I didn't fall into love. I walked into love. I had to make this deliberate choice every step along the way that this is what I wanted. I think a lot of people need to take that message to heart, whether you're in prison or not, because I think that's a good uh, message to send people you know you, don't forget you have to put effort into things uh elizabeth thank that's you right. so much for joining us we really appreciate it everybody listening july 13th go get her book love lockdown dating sex and marriage in america's prisons you can also pre-order it right now on amazon.com uh elizabeth greenwood thank you so much thank you so much At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies, the list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois, and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois, and my life has never been the same, and I love her so much, and I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just and a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So I, I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and, and the great life that you're giving them. Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. 
Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive, June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. Everyone knows how much Dean and I love to travel, especially after enduring a Colorado winter. I'll take any chance I can to be in a sunny, beachy place right about now. Well, Kaylin, I have the perfect place we can travel to next. In Puerto Rico, there are nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline. And when it comes to photography, the landscape is unbeatable. I think I need to go there for a relaxing vacation before baby number two comes, which is great, but also I'm very nervous. Puerto Rico offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to beautiful black sand beaches. There's no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Help I Suck at Dating, and I hope my voice Sounds good in this microphone. ASMR, man. You should get into it. Uh, it's whisper. Yeah. You want, we yeah. should do this whole okay, podcast so whispering into the microphone. We're going to whisper the emails. Emails coming up. Segment. This, I like to have the goosebumps. I can't tell if they're good goosebumps or bad goosebumps. I think uh, bad all goosebumps. right, we're going to jump into the emails. And Mark, unfortunately, just had to step out. Easton, unfortunately, I don't even know where he is. So He saw Black Widow uh, last I'm, night, so he had a big night. He had he was probably <laughs> He's probably too wasted, too hungover to come onto this podcast. He's recovering from seeing Black Widow last night. It's been a long time well, since well, he saw a Marvel movie in, in theaters, man. You know, it's a big thing. Yeah, Dude, I, I saw Cruella. Have you seen Cruella yet? No, was it good? It is so good. I heard it's we great. went to the movie not expecting it to be good or anything like that. It blew my mind. It was so good, in fact, I convinced my my buddy to watch it, and I sat on the couch with him and watched it a second time in a couple days a couple days later. Oh wow! Um, so so if you're listening to this, go see Cruella. What's really quick question? Anyways, what's the worst movie you've ever seen in movie theaters? Do you remember? I do remember. Which it one? was Avatar: The Last Airbender, live action movie. It's a bad movie. It was so bad. I like I. I'm pretty critical already when it comes to movies. That I walked out 30 minutes into that movie, and I've never walked out of a movie in my entire life. It was terrible. The worst movie I ever saw in theaters was 10,000 BC. Do you remember this movie? I kind of do. Oh, dude, it's terrible. So Wait, I, that's the comedy. That's the, that movie's hilarious, isn't it? No, you're thinking of some. You're thinking of the Michael Sarah one where they're born born yeah, in the Stone yeah. Age. No, 10,000 BC was a uh, it was a movie by Roland Emmerich who directed Independence Day. And it's about life during 10,000 BC. Dude, it was so bad. But the reason it's so frustrating as well is I worked at Hollywood Video at the time and we had passes to go see movies before they came out. They showed like screeners and it was to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I was like, oh, I really want to see Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I heard it's really good. So I went with a buddy of mine. We're walking into the theater and 10,000 BC is playing at the exact same time right next door. And he's like, dude. I really want to see 10,000 BC. Like I've been, I'm dying to see this movie. Can we, can we see forgetting star Marshall another time? I was like, yeah, sure, man, whatever. It's a Roland Emmerich film. I'm sure it's great. And it sucked so badly. He literally, the lights came on in the movie. He turned to me, he goes, I'm so sorry, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course, forgetting star Marshall is a cult classic and a movie that I love. So that was always when I look back, I'm like, that is the worst movie theater experience I've ever had. I digress. And now you know. And now you know. You got to have one. You got to have one lemon to really make the rest worth it. Yeah. Um, all right, emails. Let's go. We jump into this one with Anonymous, a.k.a. Nick Bial. Dean and Jared, has there ever been a moment in your current relationships where you thought you might have broken up? Wow. Incredible question, Anonymous. 
Oh, um, I'll start, I guess. Yeah. Yes, there there have been many moments. Uh, no, maybe not many moments, but uh, especially in the beginning of our of our relationship, there were moments where, uh, I don't know, actually, now that I say it out loud, there were moments that I was like, normally I probably would like stop talking to someone because of this, but we are already decided to be in a relationship with each other, so we. But like, we're too far gone, so it. I'm just gonna stick through it. Well. Okay, so this is the really interesting component with, with mine and Caitlin's relationship. Normally when you date someone, you go on, you know, like, let's say you go on like five to 10 to 15 dates with someone until eventually you're like, you know what, I like you enough to be my girlfriend. Do you want to be my girlfriend? And they would either say yes or no. Caitlin and I knew each other for three days. And I went up to Caitlin and I was like, hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. Let's get out of here. So we literally knew each other for three days before we were fully boyfriend, girlfriend. We didn't have like that dating phase or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in a weird way that kind of helped us because it was like, we're in this, you know, you're my girlfriend, I'm your boyfriend. Like there are parts of the relationship that we obviously need to figure out. We don't even know anything about each other yet. So I, I, I regress or I digress. And I will say that maybe there weren't moments where I thought that we should break, break up, but there were a lot of like, there was a lot of growing pains in our relationship. Yeah, I would I would say the exact same thing, uh, that there's not a moment in my relationship where I felt that Ashley and I were ever going to break up. I would say there were moments in our friendship, of course, where I thought that we were not going to be a part of each other's lives. Um, mm. But when since we ever got together, no, there's never been a doubt in my mind and there's never been a doubt in her mind. And um, to Dean's point, you know, a lot of it came from the fact that when we started dating, you know, we're so good for one another that we never wanted to break up with, you know, we just knew how good we were together. And I don't think we ever really wanted to, experience life without the other person and that you know so at, at it came to a point where obviously i was the one who was like i need to make a move i need to make a change i need to make a commitment and so that's exactly what i did and it was the best decision of my life and ever since we made that commitment no there's never been a doubt that we might broken up might have broken up and to dean uh to your point about kaylin let me just say this i don't think you're ever going to find anybody better for you than kaylin uh as an outside perspective um, I don't disagree. I think about that all the time. I think about how lucky I am. And then I, yeah, she's very like, lucky too. You're an amazing human being. You guys are both lucky. You guys are a great couple. And, oh, uh, she's I really the hope luckiest that, girl in the world. Obviously, if you guys break <laughs> up, uh, I might have a little bit of a mental breakdown. So you have to stay together for me because if you guys break up, I'm not even sure I'm going to believe in love anymore. So pressure's on. I promise you, Jared, I will, I'll stay together with Kaylin just for you. Appreciate it. Stay together for the kids. You know, you said you were a proud papa earlier in this podcast. Come on, man. And likewise to you and Ashley, you know, you guys break up that I think that a lot of people's worlds would crumble if you and Ashley broke up, not just mine, the world would crumble. Mark Easton there. I, I'm certain that things would shatter. Oh yeah. There would be rumblings throughout the world of you guys breaking up. The I mean, obviously skies would are, turn red. Right. fires you everywhere guys, you guys are obviously never going to do that because you said your vows and vows are forever so that's right um that's that's it's why would we even concern ourselves with that hypothetical exactly so, i mean I, I guess that's funny because my first instinct to that question from the emailer was yeah of course i thought about it but then the more we talked about it i'm like i haven't no of course i haven't thought about it so i kind of flip-flopped on that one pretty hard well, that's a good thing. It could have been worse. You could have been like, of course not. And then think about a lot of situations. Be like, actually, we almost did break up a few times, didn't we? So I think it's yeah. it's better that you have your flip-flop rather than a different flip-flop. All right, next email, our last one of the podcast. Caroline, what song do you think of when you hear Caroline? Caroline. 
I think of that too. Yeah, Caroline. But I really want to think of uh, Sweet Caroline. But it's Sweet always the second song Caroline. that comes to mind. Bum, bum, bum. That's kind of surprising for you for a Northeasterner. I know. Boston Red Sox, seventh inning stretch every time. Sweet Caroline. But Caroline is just so catchy. You know, how do you not think of that song? Anyway, Caroline wrote us in, wrote an email and said, I have been dating this guy for about a year now. He is so sweet and treats me so well. I feel like I'm in love with him, but for some reason I am waiting for some kind of sign. How did you guys know you were in love with your respective partners hmm i think if you if you wait around for a sign to come you're going to spend a lot of time waiting around so i think the fact that you're even questioning it is a good thing right like yeah she's questioning herself which is a good thing you always want to question question yourself i think almost like this is their sign if you're looking for a sign you talking about whether or not there needs to be a sign or not that's your sign right yeah I 100% agree. I mean, like in life, I just, I don't feel like you're ever going to really feel 100% confident about anything. That's just not what life is all about. You're always going to have doubts. You're always going to have these little voices in your head telling you, oh, you could be making a mistake, but that's what living is. You know, you're never sure about anything. You take risk. You live in fear sometimes. That's what it's all about. But as long as you love this person and you want to be with this person and there's nothing wrong and you can see yourself building a life and sharing a life with this person, then go for it. Because like Dean said, if you're waiting for a sign, unfortunately, signs will not come. You got to go. You got to go after the things you want in life. So don't wait for a sign. Was there, was there a sign for you and Ashley? Or was it just... No, it was more... Again, I hate saying it, but when she started dating someone else, it like you know, really made me look in the mirror and, and question a lot of things that I've, I, a lot of decisions I've made and, 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 and things that I want in life and made me question a lot of things about myself. And so it certainly wasn't a sign. It was, I got lucky in the sense that there was this action that took place that forced me to either run away or take action. And, um, you know, obviously I took action, took action and, uh, and now we're married. I'm really proud of you, man. I'm really proud of you for taking action. You know, that's what it's all about. You're very proud of me throughout this entire podcast. It's a good podcast. I'm feeling good about myself, ladies and gentlemen. That's a good way to end this one. Uh, Help I Suck at Dating. Big thank you to Elizabeth Greenwood for joining us uh, once again. Get her Amazon book, or excuse me, her book on Amazon, which is going to be sold starting July 13th, but you can get it right now by pre-order. It's called Love, Lockdown, Dating, Sex, and Marriage in America's Prisons. Very interesting topic, so go check that out. And of course, we have Suck Army Summer Friday, July 30th from 7 to 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 4 to 5 on uh, Pacific Standard Time. Get your tickets right now. LoopedLive.com. Speaking of Amazon, I don't know why uh, I am just constantly being butt dialed by you. I know. What is that? I don't know. You tell me. This is, it happened twice yesterday. It happened a couple times, like a couple weeks ago. You know what's weird about that? So I looked at my phone and I did not see any outgoing phone calls to you. However, I had a voicemail because I had two missed calls from you, and that's when you. All right, full full story here. Yesterday, I, apparently I butt dialed Dean two times, and then he called me twice, and I were wait. Asked, no, I never called you. I was just texted you. What? Dude, then you butt dialed me. <laughs> no, no, I did it. I swear to God, I did it. Because, wow, 
there is some like weird technology thing going on between the two of us. Here's the vo- here's the voicemail that I got from you. To continue recording where you left off, press four. This is your voicemail. It was what? like an automated recording. And then the next one, you did it twice. And I have no outgoing calls to you, so I don't know what's going on. I want to play the voice message that I got from you because, hold on, let me look at my phone. There's something going on between our phones. I have two missed calls from Dean Ungler yesterday at 6.53 and 6.49 p.m., including a voicemail that I'm going to play for you right now. (laughs) So my voicemail was it... It's ringing, so I guess I'm calling you, and it's your voicemail. Hey, this is Dean. I'm so sorry I missed your phone call, but leave a message. (laughs) That's my voicemail that I got from you. (laughs) I have no idea what the hell's going on. Well, so the two missed calls that I have from you are from the exact same time yesterday. (laughs) Once I I missed your call at 6.50 and at 6.54 eastern time yesterday see and, and i have two missed calls from you at 649 and 653 so literally one minute earlier and a so voicemail I'm, I'm of your voicemail instigating it dude well, there's the like the thing was i was i was like on my phone i was like on instagram or something and then all of a sudden you started calling uh and i i <laughs> darn i kind of put myself into a hole here i just don't answer phone calls and so i didn't answer your phone call uh and then you called me again four minutes later, and that's why I texted you. I was like, hey, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? I know. You're he like, was I'm so sweet. Live thing. <laughs> Suck Army, I want to let you know how sweet of a person Dean is. He texted me back, and he said, hey, are you okay? Oh, he was, oh, that like, it was like, oh, Dean cares. Dean cares. Love well, you, buddy. If you call someone twice in five minutes, you think that there's got, there's like something going on. Yeah, something's um, wrong. I didn't realize that I was the one calling you for the, for those five minutes. I guess Anyways, so. we got to figure this out. I, I got to go talk to Verizon and, and sell this <laughs> so we don't, so we can stop putting down on each other. Uh, big thank you to you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Big thank you to Caroline. Caroline. Big thank you to Anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> big thank you to, uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Greenwood. I think you already thanked her. Check out her book, Love Lockdown, in a couple days when it comes out. Um, yeah, meet and greet July 30th. I'm excited for that. We can't wait for you guys, but we will also be here next week where maybe we will suck just a little bit less. Follow Help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. On Thursday, February 29th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you can celebrate an extra day of Black History Month with Walmart. This event is free and open to the public at two locations, Flatiron Plaza in New York City and Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's the perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free, it's for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. Love at First Sight still exists. It's available at your local shelter. This June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. 
It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 